This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're beginning a new series today. And this series is actually going to be followed by two more series. I kind of got some direction um, on a few things. There's some, a, a few things the Lord's really been laying on my heart. And y'all know that... Um, Y'all know that we are over halfway through our transition. Y'all know this is a transition year for us at Harvest, right? In January, um, Dad will be passing the baton, and I will be the senior pastor. And, and so, um, obviously, you know, that's um, a little daunting. And I found the need to pray all the more. And, um, but, but, no, there's some things the Lord's really put on my heart, and, and, um, and so this is going to be kind of um, the beginning of, of where I feel like the Lord is taking us. And so starting this series, and, and the theme of these three series is going to be living inside out. Say living, living. Inside, out. inside out. And, you know, I got that thought. I, I knew the idea. I knew where I was going with this. But, I, but where did I get the title? Uh, how many of you saw the 2015 animated movie Inside Out? Put up the, put up the poster. How many of you saw that movie? That was one of the best animated movies that I had seen in a while. I thought that was awesome. And, and matter of fact, I, it was one that I, I had thought about doing for our movie series, but maybe, maybe I'll hold it, for a, hold it for another time. If you have not seen Inside Out, I don't care if you have kids or not, you need to get that movie, and you need to see that. It's really awesome. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, to sum it up real quick, actually, put up the next, I, I found this picture. Put this picture up real quick. It's about this um, 11-year-old girl named Riley, and that's, that's Riley right there. Uh, Riley loves her family. She loves her friends, and most of all, she loves hockey. And uh, they live up north, and I think her dad takes a new job, and her whole family suddenly relocates to San Francisco. And... So in this movie, uh, Riley's emotions, what's inside of her is personified. You see sadness, disgust, joy, anger, and fear. They're personified in these characters. And so Riley's emotions, led by Joy, who you see there in the middle, try to guide her through this life-changing event in her life. But the stress of all that brings uh, sadness. Everybody see sadness on the left? The, the, the stress of all this brings sadness to the front, and sadness ends up leading to anger and to fear and disgust, and they take over. And these are the things that begin to come forth out of Riley. And her relationships begin to, get, begin to break down, and her life begins to fall apart. And yes, it has a happy ending if you haven't seen it yet. It's, it's got a very good ending. But I encourage you to see the movie Inside Out because how many of you know it's all about what's inside of us? And, you know, in thinking about that, we, we know that it's what's on the inside that really counts, correct? I, I was thinking about this. How many of you remember when you were a kid and you got old enough that your grandparents and maybe others quit shopping for you? It became a little tough because your interests changed so quickly. And so they started getting you a card, and they would come up and they would hand you that card. And you didn't mind getting that card at all. Because you knew the moment that you opened it, a crisp $20 bill was going to fly out onto the ground. 
And so that time comes and your grandparent or whoever hands you that card. I mean, they even started making the cards that shape, right? And putting a little sleeve in there, like a folder. And, and you knew, and it came. You knew what was in there. And so you rip that, that envelope open, and all of a sudden your mom whispers over your colder, shoulder, be sure to read the card. And you're like, dearest grandson, roses are red, violets are blue. Cake is sweet, and so are you. And then, you're, and then you rip it open, and and there it comes. And who cares about the card? Nobody cared about the card. Somebody else wrote that card anyway. She just picked that out at the store and goes, oh, that sounds good, and bought it for you. It's what's inside that counts, right? How about when you're hungry? That refrigerator is a great sight until you open it and realize you hadn't been to the store this week. Because it's what's on the inside that counts, right? Or how many of you have ever been inside of a bank vault? I, I, over, at, um, over at Lawrence School of Visible Music College, you know, it's an old bank building. It used to be next to, it, or still is, next to AutoZone Park. But down in the basement, the bank vault is still there. And they've, like, filled it with music memorabilia or, or something. Or, or, no, it's their Madison Records um, releases or whatever they have in there. But you can go and you can walk around inside this bank vault. That is the coolest thing ever. But you know what's cooler? It's what is inside bank vaults. They're there to protect something far more valuable than what they're actually made of, right? And the last thing I thought of was there's one thing that all of us really, really like to have in our car. What? Air? Well, that, that is a good one. Not at all what I had in mind. <laughs> Gasoline. <laughs> Gasoline makes all the difference in the world. It's what's inside that tank that counts. I knew somebody one time, was that us? Somebody who's I don't know if that was one of our kids or somebody else's kid that actually was playing outside one day at the water hose and put the water hose in the gas thing and, and filled up the gas tank with gas with water. It's what's on the inside that counts, right? It's what's on the inside that counts. So over the next few series of messages, we're going to talk about what is actually inside of us and what comes out of us. And this will be, especially this week, the next couple weeks, and this series really is going to be laying the groundwork for, for where we're going. But um, these first four messages in, in series one here, I am titling, You're Full of It. Turn to the person next to you and say, You're Full of It. Some folks are saying, wait, wait a minute, what's he saying I'm full of? That ain't cool. Well, we will get to that. Actually, you will answer that question. The reality is, your spouse and the people around you can probably answer that question. They know exactly what we're full of. No matter how much we try to hide it, it is what's on the inside that truly counts, right? So, inside of your service guide, you should have gotten a note sheet. And uh, I encourage you to follow along on there. We also have that Uversion app, the Bible app on iOS and Android devices, and you can follow along on there. All the notes are in there. But I, I, you know, I normally do like three points, three or four points. Today I'm going to make a statement and I'm going to ask a question. 
And I just, all I want to do here is to get you to begin thinking and lay the groundwork for where we're going. So y'all ready for number one on your note sheet? Number one, first statement I want to make. Every human lives from the inside out. Every human lives from the inside out. I know you think about that and you think about, oh, we're doing a sermon series on inside out and we're thinking about, oh, we're going to let Jesus shine, shine, Jesus shine. Okay, it doesn't matter if you're a believer or an atheist or what you are. It doesn't matter if you're a dog, actually. (laughs) We live from the inside out. What's inside of us will make its way to the surface. We know that every human being is a spirit, right? And every human being has a soul. The soul being made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions, right? And we know that every human being lives inside of a body. So... We'll get more into that probably in coming weeks. But any of us who have ever, who have ever stood in front of a casket to pay final respects, we very much recognize in that moment that that is not our loved one. True? There's no life. Our loved one is life. This is an empty shell that's laying there before us. Because the body is not who we are. We are a spirit, and we have a soul. Can everybody agree on that? So if you want to turn in your Bibles or, or whatever you're using, um, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 15. And I, I, want, to, I want to kind of go from there for a few minutes as we, as we talk about this. In Matthew 15, um, now we're going, to, we're going to start in verse uh, 16, but let me lay a little groundwork for a minute. <clears throat> in Matthew 15, we've got... The Pharisees. I want you to love the Pharisees. Doesn't even sound happy. The Pharisees. The Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus again. So they have come to him with their nose in the air to pose a question. What they have found here is that there has been a grave sin committed by Jesus and his entourage. And you see it, actually, if you jump up to verse 2. You see, as they pose this question, again, as they're standing there with their noses in the air, looking down over their spectacles, Jesus. (laughs) Why is it? Where am I at? (laughs) Jesus, why didn't your disciples wash their hands before they began eating? Ooh. Now, to some of us, that is a grave sin. <laughs> um, I would prefer you wash your hands before you eat, uh, especially before you prepare my food, if you would. But there's actually a little more to this. If you don't really know a lot about Jewish history, I'm going to fill you in. The Jews observed ritual hand washings. Doesn't that just sound great? They had these ritual hand washings. And they would, one of the things they would do is they would wash their hands before they ate. Actually, no, they washed their hands before they ate bread. Nothing else mattered. So before they ate bread, they would wash their hands, and then they would bless their food. So 
again, it was a ritual. And this all came from in the Old Testament when God told Moses to make the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, and told them that before they went in, they would wash their hands, right? And so they did that, but what happened was um, many, many years later, the, uh, the temple was destroyed. And they didn't have a place to go to anymore. The brazen labor was gone. And so basically the priests came up with this idea. They just decided, you know what? Now everyone has to wash their hands. As a matter of fact, they should wash their hands when they do this, and when they do this, and when they do this, and when they do this. And it was very technical. They had like this, they had this bowl that had a handle on each side, and they would have to start, they had to hold the bowl in their right hand, and they would hold out their left hand, and they would pour twice into their left hand. And then they would put it down, and then they would grab that, and they would pour twice into their right hand. And then they were clean. Okay. So... This is what the priest decided you had to do. And they did this when they woke in the morning. They did it after relieving themselves. They did it before the priest gave a blessing in the synagogue. They did it as a ritual on the, night, uh, the first night of Passover. And they did it any time they returned from a cemetery. Left hand, right hand. Left hand, right hand, right? So Jesus' disciples were hungry. Anybody ever been hungry? And they didn't wash their hands. So you got the Pharisees here asking what the deal is. And so Jesus, being Jesus, he basically tells the Pharisees that they're legalistic hypocrites, you know, as he normally does. And then he busted into one of his parables. And so once this was all over, you've got um, in verse, I don't know, 14 or 15, um, Peter basically uh, has Jesus on the side, the disciples, after everybody's gone, and says, okay, so what was that all about? Wait, what, what was the deal? What is it that you said? What did that parable mean, and how did that relate, and whatever? And so that's where we pick up in verse 16. He said, and, and Jesus said, he said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? Everybody experienced that before? Yes. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Imagine the Pharisees like that. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Probably ticked them off. What can we learn from this? Well, I guess if you don't like washing your hands, it's an excuse to not have to do that. But I more think that Jesus' point here was what's in our heart eventually comes out through our mouth and through our actions. What's in our heart eventually hits the surface. And we try hard to hide it too. We can try awfully hard. We are great at putting on masks and facades. There's a story I read um, last week, and, um, and I, I couldn't nail it down as to whether this was 100% true. It was told from a, it was a Canadian officer that told the story. But he said, during World War II, the United States wanted to infiltrate the German army and place an informant or a spy within their ranks. They found an American officer who could speak perfect German without an American accent. 
Having been born and raised part of his life in Germany, he had learned all of the customs and behaviors that were necessary for him to pass as a German officer. He was successful in getting behind enemy lines and making the right connections with the right documentation in order to infiltrate the German, the German army posing as a German officer. Things were going well until something happened one night that revealed his true identity. A group of German officers, including this informant, were having dinner together. As was European customs, the Germans cut their food by putting their forks in their left hands and their knives in their right hands to cut their meat. Each officer would then take their left hand, the one with the fork in it, and bring it back to their mouth with the food. The informant followed suit, holding his fork in his left hand and his knife in his right to cut his food. But then, according to American custom, he would put down his knife, switch his fork to his right hand, and put the food in his mouth. The German officers noticed what he was doing. He had made a fatal error giving himself away as a spy with one small mistake. The way he ate was so ingrained in him that he made an error when his normal, natural normal way of doing things took over his imitated behavior. Isn't that crazy? As hard as he tried as a spy to be just like everybody else, the smallest thing, who he really was, came to the surface. What's inside of us will come out of our life. We'll come out of our mouth. We'll come out of our body. And there's no two ways about it. We can't hide what's inside of us forever. Sooner or later, the real us, our heart, will be exposed. I remember um, back in the day uh, when... Some of y'all know Joe and Tracy Cole. When Joe would um, take us men, we'd take us on men's trips, and we would do these long road trips. We'd drive for 24 hours and just swapping off drivers. And he always told me, and I, I think he said to all the men, that he loved the drive the most. We all hated the drive the most. He loved the drive the most. Why? And he rarely spoke. He rarely talked on those drives because he was listening the whole time. And by the time we would get to wherever we were going, he knew the heart of every man in that van. Because 24 hours together, you can't hide what's really inside, no matter how hard you try. What's inside of us will come out. And when does this usually happen? It usually happens when we get comfortable and we start to, there starts to be cracks in the facade and things start to slip out that we don't realize. Or when the pressure's on and we get squeezed then our heart begins to come to the surface. When you grab a tube of toothpaste, what comes out? Messy toothpaste. Because that's what's on the inside, right? There's a story of an old professor who uh, he asked a student to come to the front of the, uh, front of the class and to hold a glass of water. The professor took his hand and placed it on the student's arm and began to shake it, causing water to begin to spill everywhere. He asked the student, why did water spill out of the cup? The student said, because you shook my arm. No, the professor replied, listen to the question. Why did water spill out of the cup? He said, oh, because water was in the cup. It wasn't the shaking that caused, well, it was the shaking that caused it to spill, but, but if there had been coffee in the cup, it would have been coffee that comes forth. And the point I want to make is only what's already on the inside of us can come out. You ever heard the phrase garbage in, garbage out? Only what's inside of us can come out. We know Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived, and he wrote in Proverbs uh, chapter 4, verse 23, in the New King James Version, he said, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. 
Now, we've heard that scripture a ton of times, but let me give you a few different versions real quick. The English Standard says, keep your heart with all vigilance. That's a strong word. That means fight for it, right? Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Well, what are the springs of life? Look at the New Living Translation. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Is that clear? The last one, the NIV, I love the way it says it. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Can we agree that the condition of our heart is very important? And according to this, it will determine the course of our life. Regardless of what you think or how hard you try to hide, your heart will eventually be exposed. And how many of you know we also become known by our heart? Our reputation, it's usually our heart. Um, we may think, we may be always trying to fake it and hide behind a facade, but those closest to us know our hearts, even if we think they don't. Y'all agree? So, statement I wanted to make was, every human lives from the inside out. So, my question, it's an easy one. It's not so easy to answer it, though, is what have I filled myself with? Write that down on your note sheet if you got it there. What have I filled myself with? Matthew 12 Verses 33 and 34, Jesus speaking, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Jesus is saying it's not one way or the other, right? If you're going to have a good heart, be good. <laughs> if you're going to act like you've got this great life, if you're going to act like you all got it all together, live it. Live it from your heart. But he's saying, don't try to be something you're not. You brood of vipers. I think he's talking to them Pharisees again, right? How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How many of you know, especially we as the church, we are awfully good at putting on that mask and walking in on Sunday morning, aren't we? We have all done it. We've had an argument in the car on the way home, and we're, I mean, on the way to church, and we didn't leave things necessarily good of our spouse, and we walk in with smiles and hallelujahs on our lips, right? I'm not saying you should come in and air your dirty laundry. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that we know how to turn off reality in a moment and become something else. When the pressure is on, our heart will be exposed. And the question is not, will I be squeezed? We all get squeezed. The issue is, what's going to come out of me when I am? You quickly, quickly realize what you're full of. You're full of it. When your child does something wrong for the umpteenth time, the same stupid thing, what is your response? When you are fed up, 
Is it anger, abuse, harassment, belittlement, rage, shame? Or is it the love of Jesus that brings correction? I, I think we all can, all of us who are parents could agree with this, where you've had a moment where you responded to your children in such a way that something came out that you were immediately, you may have been too prideful to admit it or show it, but you, you were ashamed of yourself in a moment. And you think, where in the world did that come from? And hopefully you went back later and repented and apologized. But the reality is, that's something that was in your heart. When your boss yells at you at work, do you respond in like fashion? Or do you bring Jesus to the table? James 3.8 says, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a relentless evil full of deadly poison. Well, you know this. We've talked about this for the last few weeks, haven't we? The tongue. But you know something I thought about in addition to that? The tongue is simply the mouthpiece of the heart. It's really the heart that we're looking at. When we talk about the tongue, it's all about the condition of the heart. Only what's in the heart can come out of the tongue. Out of the tongue, off the tongue, out of the mouth, whatever. Right? It's got to be in there. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell a story that um, actually um, one of our members told me uh, just, uh, I don't know, two months ago. And um, I'm pretty sure he's not here today, but I know he wouldn't mind me telling this, though I'm not going to tell his name. But he asked me to lunch uh, a couple of months ago, and um, he wanted to confess something. He admitted that he, was, um, he had been driving down the road, and um, somebody pulled over into his lane, tried to jump between him and another car real fast, and ran him off into some cones on the side of the road. And he got so angry that he slammed down the accelerator and chased them down, blowing the horn. The person finally pulled over in a parking lot, and they got out and, um, and got into a cursing match with each other and almost went to blows. Guys, and if that person is watching online, <laughs> they know that I'm not, I'm not belittling them in, in this in any way. We all have issues in our heart that we've got to deal with. But he was broken sitting there in front of me and said, the thing that bothers me is I didn't realize I was capable of that. I didn't realize that that was inside of me. Y'all would all know who this person is. And he was just broken down over it. He goes, I didn't know this was inside. And he actually ended up going back through freedom. Uh, the freedom team might know who, who we're talking about. But went back through freedom and, and, uh, and I, I gave him some different things to do to begin the path um, to begin to work that out of his heart and to begin to refill it with what really needed to be there. No matter how hard we try to hide what's inside, it will eventually be exposed and we can't control it. We can control it for a period of time, but eventually it will come forth. And the thing is, what would happen if every time we were squeezed, Jesus came out? And we stubbed our toe, 
Rather than our kids hearing us spout out curse words instead, Jesus is evident. Somebody does pull out in front of us, and rather than responding with frustration and the finger, we respond with patience and love and maybe even a prayer. Or you look at your bank account and you see a lack of funds. Can't cover the check you just wrote. How do you respond in that moment? Is it fear? Is it frustration? Anger? Or do we say, praise God, another opportunity to trust him? If we've surrendered our heart to Jesus, then what should come out of us is love and respect and kindness and cooperation. It should be seen in our activities. It should be seen in our words. It should be seen in our mannerisms. And it should be seen on a daily basis. On the other hand, if you have a hidden agenda, you ever seen somebody and you realized it took you a little while, but you finally realized they had a hidden agenda? They weren't sincere? That too will come out. It won't be long before people begin to see that rather than you being this genuine real person, you're just putting on a show in order to get people to believe certain things about you so you can get what you want. What have you filled yourself with? What are you full of? Sexual immorality and filth? Have you filled yourself with it? It will come out eventually. Look at how many pastors and televangelists tried to hide that stuff for years and were exposed publicly for the whole world to see and give a black eye to the body of Christ. And those kind of things are coming forth like crazy right now. I was almost heartbroken over Bill Cosby. You know, there's nine accusations right now against Morgan Freeman. Scott Bayo, David Copperfield, Matt Lauer, Lord have mercy, Ryan Seacrest. And I'm not belittling him in any way, but even our president. And look, he's not the only president. We could name quite a few others, right? So I'm not, I'm not singling out the man. I pray for him every day. What's inside of us will eventually come out. You can deny it for only so long. The good news is there is freedom. What's inside of you? What have you filled yourself with? Is it curses instead of blessing? Profanity? You know what trips me out? I thought about the other day when I was thinking about this. You wouldn't believe how many times over the years we've had a three- or four-year-old in class at church who slipped out a string of curse words. And you got to go talk to the parent. The mom's like, where could they have possibly heard that? And everybody's around going, "Mm mm-hmm. Kid can barely speak, but they can spew profanities. Mm Mm-hmm. It will eventually come out. And sometimes it's through your children. What are you full of? Racism? Hatred? Gossip? Slander? Pride? Hide it as long as you want to, but eventually it's going to slip out. It's got to be dealt with. Many of those things have been exposed recently as well. You know, let me say this. People love to say, 
don't judge me. God knows my heart. Man, I am scared to say that because, yes, he does. Oh, Jesus, help me. He does. I don't know that I'd go declaring it. (laughs) Genesis 6, 5 says, The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. We know that God doesn't look at the outside. He's looking at the heart. Those things that we try to hide that come to the surface, he sees it all. That's what he truly sees. That's what's laid out in front of him when he sees us. He knows every thought. He knows every intention. He knows every motivation of our heart. And to me, that's scary. That should be motivation. That should motivate us to take action and to, bring, and to make change. You know, Jesus was full of the word of God. We saw that, we see that from the time he was a child, right? Twelve years old, we saw that he was full of the word of God. He knew it and he lived by it. Sounds like an action we need to take. When we've surrendered our life to him, we need to be more like him. Jesus regularly got alone to pray to recharge, to spend time with the Father. That's what he filled himself with. He was always full of love and compassion. He was always putting others before himself. Sounds like some things we need to be full of. He lived a life of worship, and everything he did pointed to God. Everything he did, he did with excellence. Sounds like some things that need to be within our hearts. He was selfless. What was in his heart came out in his life. And that's what I want to leave you with this morning, is what is in our hearts. Because it will come to the surface. And, you know, in reality, I'm going to have the worship team go ahead and come on up, but I'm going to talk for another minute or two. This is why Jesus told his followers... He told his disciples, he said, you'll know people who follow me because of their fruit. That's what we're talking about, the fruit, that which comes to the surface from our heart. That's our fruit. He said, yeah, you're going to know. You're going to know they're believers. You're going to know they put me first because of their words, because of their actions, because of their reactions, because of the way they live and walk. You're going to know. Jesus is inside of you, and Jesus is going to come out of you. Guys, my point, like I say, I'm just laying groundwork, but it's time for us as the church to quit pretending. We are great at playing games. We are great at being something, trying to be something that we're not. We're great at wearing masks and putting on facades. But we do not tend to like to expose our hearts before God or before anyone. It's time for us to quit pretending and it's time for us to get real. That's when God can use us. Let's stand together and let's bow our heads.
Let's bow our heads together, everybody. I just want you to just press in for just a moment. Sense the embrace of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to say if you realize Jesus has not been coming out of you. Because he's not really in your heart. You're not full of him. You haven't invited him in. Or maybe you have, but you've made a lot more room for other things than you have for him in there. Then this is your moment. Surrendering your life to Jesus and asking him to come to your heart, we know that's called being born again. And I want you to understand, if you're watching online, if you're a guest with us, we're not asking you to join a church. We're not telling you you've got to go change your life today. We're not telling you any of those things. We're just saying you must be born again, and God will take care of the rest. But being born again comes from a sincere heart of saying, I recognize that I can't walk this life alone. I recognize there's so much more to it. I recognize that God wants my heart. I recognize that he wants to use me. I recognize that he wants to transform my heart. That's being born again. And Jesus said, if you're not born again, he said, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. I think we don't talk about that enough. Jude 1.13 says that people who refuse Jesus are wild waves of the sea, foaming up in their shame, wandering stars for whom the blackest darkness has been reserved forever. First Peter 1 Peter 1.4 says that as followers of Jesus, we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. Guys, it is a matter of heaven and hell. It's also a matter of how you live your life day to day. Because if you choose to surrender your life to Jesus, if you choose to be full of him instead of the things of the world, then you can be confident that you have the creator of the universe walking side by side with you. And that he's got your back and that you'll never, he'll never fail you. He'll never let you down. Doesn't mean you won't go through hard times. But he's always going to be there. He's going to be coaching you on and telling you, we've got this. We can do it. Come on, let's go. He's going to help you through those tough times. He's going to bring you joy in the midst of sorrow. There's no other way to live this life on earth than with Jesus. There is no other way to make it successfully through this life. Ultimately, we're promised life or death. That statement makes a lot of people angry today. Guys, they're just angry at the truth. How are we born again? Romans 10 tells us we confess Jesus is our master of our life. If we believe that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I would ask you, what's in your heart? I know you'll spend your whole life allowing God to cleanse the things. We've all got things in our heart that we need to deal with. But is Jesus Lord of your life? Do you need to give your heart to him for the first time? Do you need to rededicate your life to him? I'm just telling you, a good indication 
is by examining what's coming out of your life, what's coming out of your mouth, how you're living, how you're responding, how you're reacting. It's a very good indication of whether or not your life is surrendered to Jesus. Psalm 139, 23. I read this the other day. This should be our prayer. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path to everlasting life. With every head bowed, if that's you and you say, you know what? There's a lot of junk coming out of me and I need to be so much more full of Jesus. And I want to give my life to him today. I want to I want to ask him to truly come into my heart to fill it so that I'll begin to look like him and not like all that garbage in my past. Or if you need to say, God, I have slipped too far. I've been a believer. My, you may have been a believer your whole life, but you would say, God, I just, things have changed. The busyness of life has consumed me. My fears, my anxieties, I... God's fallen down the list of my life and he's not number one. And you would say, I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. This is your moment. With every head bowed, if you would say that's you, I want you to lift up your hand for me to see and I'll acknowledge you. Lift up your hand, yes. Who else would say, man, who else would say, I need to rededicate my life to Jesus today. I need him to fill me. I need him to be what's in my heart. Who else? I see you three. You can put your hands down. Is there anybody else? anybody else we're going to pray a prayer together and I want you to recognize again this is about the heart you can't say some magical equation of words that's going to get you accepted by God and going to get Jesus to fill you this is about your heart it's about having a heart of surrender and saying God it's your way or no way from this day forward. Every step I take will be in step with you. I'm going to do things your way and not my way. That's the heart of this prayer. We're going to speak these words. We're going to say it out loud. You're going to repeat after me. And if you mean it with all your heart, the Bible says that you will be a new creation. I'm going to talk about the new creation. That's going to be my topic two weeks from now. We're going to go into that further. But it basically says that all things will be made new doesn't mean circumstances change. You're still going to have maybe an annoying boss, co-worker. Still going to have an issue with a family member. Your checkbook's still going to have the same balance. But now you're putting things in his hands. And you're saying, God, I trust you. And I ask you to lead me and guide me. And I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Let's pray this together. Dear God, I recognize that I have not lived my life for you. I've lived for myself, and I want to change. You are my life. And today, I follow you. Jesus, today I confess you are Lord of my life. I'm not in charge anymore. You're in charge. I'm not following this and that. I'm following you. Lead me. Guide me. I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe 
that you will do what you say you'll do. You are the Son of God. You are my Savior. You died. You took my sin and shame. But death couldn't hold you. You rose again. And today I serve you. I follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me. Empower me to be everything that you've called me to be. Jesus, I want to be more like you. Let me speak your words. Let me react the way you react. Let me do what you would do. Let me be a blessing. Because you were the blessing first. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God, I thank you for those that gave their hearts, rededicated their hearts to the Lord this morning. I pray, Lord, that in this decision, because of the position of their heart, that they would take the steps necessary to seek after you with all that they are, that they would dig into your word and they would find out who you truly are, that they would get to know your heart. I pray, Lord, that they would get involved in church, that you would surround them by godly friends and influences and people that can hold them accountable and help point them in the right direction and encourage them. And Lord, for all of us as we stand here today, Lord, we pray David's prayer in Psalm 139. Let's just, if, if you feel so comfortable, I'll just invite you in a, in a, with a heart of surrender. Just, let's just lift our hands together for a moment. And just repeat this after me. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me, Lord, along the path of everlasting life. God, we ask that you would grant that prayer in our lives in Jesus' name. That our heart would truly be that you would point out the areas of our life that we've hidden away. You would point out those dark areas of our hearts, those dark areas that we don't let anyone see, that's full of cobwebs and darkness. I, I just pray, Lord, that we would be open and we would allow you to come and reveal your light of illumination in our lives in Jesus' name, that we would truly look more like Jesus every day as we walk, as we talk. Lord, that we would be that shining beacon of hope that we are called to be in Jesus' name, that just like him, everything we do would point to the Father. God, that our lives would truly be a worship, that we would recognize that we are not of this kingdom. We are not of this world. We serve the true King. We're simply ambassadors in the earth. Lord, we give our hearts to you. We take our orders from you. We're quick to listen and quick to obey. Lead us and guide us, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.